I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Well, here we thought the biggest news we'd be talking about today was the Sooners Bowl destination. Oh, good grief. No, we got lots bigger stuff to talk about. Dylan Gabriel has entered the transfer portal. What does that mean for OU and how should Gabriel be thought of after two years as a Sooner? We'll talk about all that as well as that bowl assignment, the Arizona Wildcats, on December 28th in the Alamo Bowl. But first, we want to thank our sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellows Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And hey, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move. We know two fellows that love moving. At Two Fellows Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years' experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. All right, Barry, big news. Monday, we knew the transfer portal was opening. We suspected some locals would go in. I don't know that I thought Dylan Gabriel would be one of them, but this is not a drill. Dylan Gabriel out of Oklahoma after two years into the portal. Are you surprised? Not really. We knew that Gabriel likely wasn't returning for whatever reason. It just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't uh, meshing in terms of the progression of careers, Jackson Arnold coming in, uh, Dylan Gabriel going out. Uh, it seemed like that this was always a two-year situation for Gabriel, even though he turned into one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and it makes no sense to think, uh, hey, let's change quarterbacks. I don't know to what degree the Sooners wanted Gabriel to stay. When you bring in a Jackson Arnold with all the hype, uh, and clearly uh, the Sooners believe, the OU coaching staff believes that he's a star in the making. It just, uh, it's just a strange situation. And with the portal, guys have options, and they can move on. We thought Gabriel might go pro. OU, I think, was hoping he would go pro. But now he can go quarterback somewhere else maybe even in the SEC. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting turn. I thought it was more likely that he would test the pro waters, even though that didn't necessarily seem like a great idea. Just his size is not sort of prototypical NFL, but we've seen a lot of guys that with a lot less success as college quarterbacks, not only play in the NFL this year, but start games in the NFL. So the fact that, you know, he might go that way, while I didn't think it was probably the best idea, I thought it was a possibility. Instead, another college will be his destination, his place of uh, employ, if you will, next year. I don't know where it's going to be. I think it's interesting, you know, if you think back to the beginning of this season, Brent Venables at one point said something about quarterbacks that was really cut and dried. There was not a question in what he said that he was indicating this was the final season for Dylan Gabriel. And, you know, even though he has that extra year, it was not sort of a, well, maybe whatever he said at the time. And I think I might have even nudged you as we were sitting there in the press conference. And, and it was like, okay, I, I guess this is the last year for Dylan Gabriel in, in, in a Sooner uniform. 
Now, he got a lot better this year. I don't know if at that point Brent Venables or anybody in Norman knew just how Dylan Gabriel was going to elevate. But Barry, wherever he goes, he I mean, he's already one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He could win a Heisman Trophy next year. He could, I mean, talk about NIL money. I mean, I have to assume if he'd have decided to stay, the NIL money would have been fantastic at OU. But he's going to be set in a variety of ways and might just might just win the Heisman next year. Yeah, I mean, he, even worth heck, I hope he does win it. Power to him, I hope he does win the Heisman. That's the least of OU's problems. What if he ends up on a roster of a team the Sooners are going to play in 2024? Hey, you thought Baton Rouge was going to be tough? Uh, try Baton Rouge with Dylan Gabriel quarterbacking LSU. So, listen, this all is just strange and kooky, and we don't understand it. And what do you mean you might be okay with your star quarterback leaving and going somewhere else? This whole thing seems fairly orchestrated. As you said, Brent seemed to know this is it for Dylan Gabriel instead of, uh, instead of uh, trying like the Dickens to keep him. Part of this, of course, is that Jeff Levy, yeah. Uh, situation. They are really thick. Jeff Lebby was with Dylan Gabriel at Central Florida. Uh, brought him to Norman. It's a great match. He became a star, wonderful player. Offense was really good. So when Lebby took the Mississippi State job, seemed uh, seemed fairly natural. For all I know, uh, Dylan Gabriel's going to Mississippi State, and the Bulldogs are not on the on the schedule in 2024. So the Sooners don't have to deal with that. But uh, you know, as soon as uh, in the uh, in the transformation of the end of the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State's season finale, and the hiring of Jeff Lebby, uh, Will Rogers, their veteran quarterback at Mississippi State, entered the portal. For all I know, this is all orchestrated. He's going to go to Starkville. But this is something we just got to get our arms around up. This is the modern college football reality. Things like this happen. It makes no sense. You know, Baker Mayfield. Uh, played a year at Tech, came to OU, played two years, uh, decided to come back for a third year, and he didn't transfer to Notre Dame or someplace. Yeah. He's a Sooner for three years. It's just going to be less and less than that uh, here in college football. Yeah, and I think that begs the question of now where does Dylan Gabriel's how, – how are we supposed to look at his legacy? Two seasons at, o, at OU, I think where he lands could impact how people think about him, how they think about that legacy – but regardless of where he lands, Barry, he came in at a time that Oklahoma was in as low a spot as it had been in a very long time. Departure Lincoln Riley, the expected departure, or I guess at the point that Gabriel came in, Caleb Williams had decided to go. Oklahoma needed a quarterback. We saw how thin they were once Gabriel got hurt last year. So clearly they needed help and they must have known that behind the scenes. I think outwardly we suspected it, but Gabriel comes in. And for two years, he leads this team with, uh, with maturity, with class. You know, obviously that's a tough position to be in. You're following Caleb Williams, but you're also following the legacy of Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. He wasn't those guys, but he continued to play hard. He got better. I think Sooner fans everywhere have got to be extremely grateful for Dylan Gabriel and look at him in the highest regard because of the situation he came into and the way he played for the last two years. Well, here's, here's Dylan Gabriel's legacy at OU. 117. One minute, 17 seconds left in the Texas game. 
Sooners are 75 yards from uh, from uh, pay dirt. They're in danger of losing to Texas after dominating the game after uh, a 49 nothing loss the year before. And Gil and Dylan Gabriel takes the Sooners on a drive for the ages. And remember, this is not a program that's had a ton of last-minute winning drives. Uh, Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, all those guys, they win so many games easily um, that, you know, this is not the NFL where every Sunday somebody wins on a last-minute last drive. So that was the stuff of legend, what we saw in the Cotton Bowl. And for... For Gabriel to produce like that, he should be a hero for the ages in Norman. I think he will be. I think people uh, n- tend to be naturally excited about a recruit like uh, Jackson Arnold. Um, so I-, I think I think his legacy is secure. It's just very strange uh, why anybody should be happy about losing the All Big Twelve quarterback, a Heisman contender. But like I said, that's just the way it goes. The quarterback transfer portal is out of total control yeah. in college football today. So Dylan Gabriel's just part of it, uh, and uh, he's off to parts unknown. We'll find out soon enough, but I wish him well. Yeah, and we'll talk about uh, Arnold in just a second and, and obviously the future. But quickly, do you have a sense of, I mean, Mississippi State seems an obvious possible landing spot. I've seen Oregon thrown out as a possibility. Uh, obviously, Bo Nix coming to the hen- end of his uh, um, uh, he can't he can't play after this year. Comes to the end of his eligibility. Um, is there a spot that you could see Dylan Gabriel landing? Well, I mean, I not I don't know of any natural fits other than Mississippi State, no. but he fits in great everywhere. I mean, he'd be great at Oregon. He'd be great at Washington. There's all kinds of people that could take uh, a guy like that, a guy with that kind of accuracy, that kind of mobility, that kind of experience, that kind of leadership. He's not, he doesn't have a rifle arm, which is one reason why he's not headed to the NFL, I think. But mm. he's really good. Uh, all kinds of people could use him. If, if Jalen Milrow hadn't sort of blossomed here down the stretch for Alabama, he, he'd be a phenom at Alabama. Um, just, he, he's a wonderful quarterback can go all kinds of places, do all kinds of things. He'd look, uh, he'd look good in the, uh, in the uh, Florida State red and gold. Lots of places would love a Dylan Gabriel. So he's going to have a lot of options. Uh, the NIL money will be massive for him. Yeah. So um, the Sooners can only hope and pray that, uh, that he doesn't uh, actually cross their path in 2024. Yeah, another interesting one that popped up for me, uh, Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, entered the portal today. So I don't know if Ohio State's a place uh, that Dylan Gabriel might uh, be looking. I do know this, that there's going to be a lot of suitors for Dylan Gabriel because of all the things you just mentioned, Barry. Um, You know, the ability to, you know, run, the ability to throw, the leadership, the toughness, um, all of that, that you, you just can't, I don't think you can undersell what a uh, hot commodity is. Obviously, two years ago when he shows up in Norman, he's one of the higher-ranked quarterbacks in the portal, but that was the same year that you know Caleb Williams enters the portal. So not as highly regarded. I think this year he's as highly regarded as any quarterback in the portal. So he's going to have his choice of places to go when it comes to final destinations. Um, let's talk about Jackson Arnold, Barry, because now this Alamo Bowl, 
which frankly, I don't know that I think the matchup is all that exciting, but the Alamo Bowl becomes much more interesting now because I assume Jackson Arnold will be the quarterback. I assume Seth Luttrell will be calling the plays, but I don't know. It seems like that there's a lot more intrigue all of a sudden in what happens down in San Antonio. You know, our boss, Mike Sherman, said something interesting last week, and other people have sort of said the same kind of thing, but he crystallized it. The bowl season for most teams has become the start of next season. Right. I mean, when they play Arizona, that's really not about the 2023 Sooners. It's going to be about the 2024 Sooners, the new coordinator, uh, the new quarterback. You know, when, when the Sooners played uh, in San Antonio two years ago it's against Oregon, <laughs> that really was not sort of a carryover game from the 21 season. Coach no. was gone. Um, Bob Stoops was the head coach. Caleb Williams was headed out the door. It was just, you know, just sort of a, uh, an exhibition type situation almost. Right. But this game is going to be a, uh, a launch point to next season. Uh, it's, a, it's a series of change. So I think Oklahoma people inside are over the moon about Jackson Arnold. I mean, I've heard from some people that that uh, that know Jeff Levy that, that said Levy was just just crazy optimistic about about Jackson Arnold's future, uh, just the total package basically. Now, that doesn't mean he's a great quarterback because you still got to do it. You got to make split de- split second decisions in the frying pan, and that's really, you know, lots of people have great arms, lots of people have size, lots of people have mobility. But can you make critical decisions in a split second when the heat is on? And that's really what's going to determine Jackson Arnold's uh, future uh, as a as a big time quarterback. But all the signs are positive. The optimism is is run amok. Heck, here's how we know how what they think of Jackson Arnold. They seem okay with Dylan Gabriel hitting the road. Yeah. And I, I, that's, that's a, like you said earlier, it's that anybody's okay with that seems a little bit weird to me. I get Jackson Arnold is really good. I mean, I understand that. I understand the pedigree. I understand the hype. I get it. But still having Dylan Gabriel walk out the door and, and everybody still has a smile on their face is a little bit, a little bit of a head scratcher to me, but it's going to be wildly fascinating to see Barry. You, you mentioned sort of the split second decisions, We got to see Jackson Arnold thrown into a bit of a frying pan at at BYU earlier this year when Gabriel has a a concussion in the first half, late in the first half of that game. Arnold comes in, uh, was seemingly held sort of to the most basic of plays. They didn't really run a ton with him out there. So that's a little concerning. And yet, when they needed to convert on third down, he checks out of a play. He makes that split-second decision, one that you were talking about and makes it exactly right, keeps the chains moving. Ultimately, OU wins that game, a road game, a game that they you know, were, found themselves in, uh, in, in a lot of distress, really, in the second half there. So some really positive signs for Jackson Arnold. But now he's going to get this whole month of practice. We're going to get to see what it looks like when he's getting first-team reps, when he's out there with well, I guess we don't know exactly who he's going to be out there with because we don't know who all's jumping in the portal or declaring for the NFL or whatever those questions are. But it's going to be interesting to see what this offense looks like with Jackson Arnold getting that kind of time 
as well as Seth Luttrell calling the plays. So lots of lots of questions that are that are going to be maybe not answered down in San Antonio, but we're definitely going to start getting to see some signs of what all those things look like. Yeah, you know what it it really is a it is a good um, blueprint for having a strong 2024 season is is getting the jump on it. You mentioned the extra practices as the number one quarterback. Bowl bowl prep is often um, used to uh, to fortify the future. Young guys get a lot of work, but in this yeah. case, you got your backup quarterback going to be running things, so he gets a jump on on that. Uh, I I think it's also a good time for him to cement himself as the leader to uh, sort of come in and, and, and show guys, hey, you know, I can take over this team the same way that Dylan Gabriel did. So um, it's it's fabulous theater, right? I mean, Oklahoma, Arizona in the Alamo Bowl is not going to be near as was not going to be near as much fun without this Jackson Arnold uh, plot. So. Uh, lots to like about about this opportunity, and that's what the bowls have become—the minor bowls. That's basically it's it's a it's a trans it's a bridge. It's a bridge to 2024, yeah. and it's the Jackson Arnold Bridge. So yeah. uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be fun. Uh, we don't know what Arizona is really bringing to the table. Are they going through the same kind of transformation? Last year, Sooners played a Florida State team that was not checked out. Uh, no opt-outs for the Seminoles. Uh, they sort of came up with a nice culture, had won a bunch of games in a row. Clearly, Mike Norvell had them in a go- good direction. They came all in on the, uh, on the uh, whatever that bowl was last year. It's, not, it's Pop-Tarts this year. I don't Cheez-It. know why. Cheez-It Bowl. Cheez-It? Yeah. Got, how can you forget Cheez-It? But I did. <laughs> anyway, uh, but Sooners played Florida State very tough, lost on a uh, you know, late field goal. Good. Great propulsion for Florida State season. Great, uh, great, actually, uh, preview for the Sooners as well, who made big strides. So, is will, will Arizona come in all in? All, we don't know, yeah. but it's going to be fun uh, watching Jackson Arnold take over this team and his relationship with Seth Luttrell clearly will be uh, will be uh, pivotal to this whole situation, and they get to go into this thing together. Yeah, and you know, we we thought that obviously the bowl game would have the undertones of, you know, new offensive coordinator, Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley taking over, but Luttrell will be the, the offensive coordinator, be the play caller. Let's talk about that. That a week, a week ago when we talked, we knew that Jeff Lubby was out, but they had not yet hired Seth Luttrell. I I like the hire for a lot of reasons. Um I wish Anytime there's a coordinator opening, I wish that minority candidates get the job because there's so few in college football. So in my heart of hearts, I would have liked to have seen uh, a minority candidate be part of the, the, uh, the, the, the offensive coordinating at OU. But I think as far as Seth Luttrell goes, I, you know, he's, he's off of the Mike Leach branch. He's off of that air raid branch and, uh, you know, really has built his coaching career around that he spent two years at OU uh the the first two years of the Mike Stoops uh Mike Stoops Bob Stoops era Mike Stoops was obviously there as well but learning from Mike Leach then was at Tech for several years with Mike Leach there so knows it well uh you know that's really what he's going to lean into what do you think of the hire Barry I mean I tend to think it's good I like the the uh, continuity keeping it in-house but what do you think about Seth Luttrell as offensive coordinator 
Well, I like it uh, from a couple of standpoints. One is it's the OU way um, with both uh, with both Bob Stoops and, and Barry Switzer. Uh, promoting from within was sort of the standard. Didn't always do it, but mostly did. You know, Bob Stoops, after, after bringing in his original staff, he promoted Mark Mangino. He promoted um, Chuck Long. He promoted... Uh, Kevin Wilson, he promoted mm-hmm. Josh Heupel. He went four straight offensive coordinators through in-house promotion before going out and getting Lincoln Riley. Uh, and basically, all of those moves worked fine. They all produced great offenses. Um, this is a new era in which we have the bloated coaching staffs. We got the analysts. We got the, uh, the quality control coaches, whatever they want to call them these days. They got these guys on staff that are high-level coaches Seth Luttrell's been the head coach at North Texas seven years. So Nick Saban has modeled this, right? Mike Loxley, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, those are examples of guys who were just, you know, subordinates hanging around, helping out, and pretty soon they're the Alabama offensive coordinator. That's what we see with with Seth Luttrell. So I like it from that regard. Uh, I like it that he's also uh, a Sooner himself. That's never That never hurts, really. So. Uh, lots to like about it. What? How's he going to differ from Jeff Levy? You know, Jeff Levy came in with the OU Air Raid, but soon morphed, uh, married into the Art Bryles family, had the Baylor philosophy going. How w- will Seth Luttrell take the Sooners back more to the to the Lincoln Riley type Air Raid days? I don't know. That's something we'll need to talk to Seth and watch with our eyeballs. Yeah. But I like it on a lot of fronts. There's not anything to not like about it. Other than you, you want uh, you know you know you mentioned the minority angle of it. it. Also, the fresh blood, new look. You know that's what Lincoln Riley did for Bob Stoops eight years yeah. ago. Yeah. Is it br- sort of ended the stagnancy. But Seth Luttrell's only been here a year. He's been down at North Texas the previous seven seasons, so it's not like he's just been you know in, in inside the the walls at the Switzer Center. So lots to like about it. He's going to be uh, in the cauldron. First year is going to be with. Uh, with an SEC schedule, won't be easy. But you know that's what you sign up for when you yep. when you're uh, calling the offense at Oklahoma. Yeah, Cauldron in an SEC, and also with a first year starter at quarterback. So lots of lots of uh, drama that Seth Luttrell is going to have to navigate through. The first though will be this this Alamo Bowl, which you know I don't know what the plan was before Dylan Gabriel officially entered the portal, but now I have to assume that it is Seth Luttrell calling things. It is, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold. We're going to see it full force. Now, Arizona's the opponent, but Barry, Oklahoma was pretty darn close to being in a New Year's Six Bowl, which Arizona's an improved program. Let's not undersell uh, what the Wildcats have done this year under Jed Fish. Uh, You know, a really nice turnaround. They get ready to head into the Big 12 next year. Um, I don't know if that matchup does much for me. I mean, I think now the game's got all sorts of intrigue regardless of who they'd been playing. But, you know, if this would have been a New Year's Six Bowl for Oklahoma, the, uh, the opponent would have likely been much more difficult. And, it, I mean, I don't know who it would have been, but it seems like they were pretty darn close to making it. Yeah, you know, when it, when it, it came down to basically four, Four teams for three spots: Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri, Oklahoma, all at ten. That and sounds two. familiar, by the way. Top yeah, of the, well, top yeah, of the yeah, rankings, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to be left out. Um, <laughs> you know, the, a couple of things on that: the Sooners had what we 
by acclamation consider the weakest schedule in school, modern school history. Uh, it was actually probably a little better than we thought. SMU turned into a, a really good team, won the American Conference, almost uh, got into the, uh, into the New Year's Six itself by one ranking spot. But, um, you know, would, would the Sooners have ended up in the Fiesta against Oregon? Or would they have been shuffled someplace playing Liberty? I don't know if that's better than playing Arizona. I tend to think it's not. So, um, you know, so there's pros and cons to it. Uh, Listen, but down the stretch of the season, those four schools, Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri, Oklahoma, I was actually ranking teams every week. And I didn't see a dime's worth of difference in any of the four's resume. Um, The week before the last week, I had OU in the, the top 10, I think, with Missouri. Uh, the next in my last one, I had Penn State and Ole Miss, and it 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 went back and forth. You really have no gripes on this. So I think Arizona in San Antonio is a really good consolation prize. If anybody pays attention anymore to the bowls, I don't know if they do, but I mean Arizona, I think is 14th in the poll in the committee rankings. So you're not yeah. playing, a, you know, a seven and five team that finished sixth in the Pac-12. Arizona's really good. They, uh, you know, they lost twice down the stretch of the season, you know, double overtime to USC and a close game to Washington, and they they beat a lot of good teams. So it's a good test. I think uh, you always want to be in the New Year Six, uh, what I like to still call the BCS Bowls. That's right, <laughs> BCS. But um, but it's it's you know it, it's it's a good test and. I think uh, Sooner fans ought to embrace it. As you said, this is the launch of a new era. This is the Jackson Arnold era has begun, and it begins in San Antonio, Texas. So um, I, I would uh, I would focus all on that game and, and see how it goes. You know, being left out of the New Year's Six this year, you know, while it would have been nice to, to, to be in one of those bowls, I agree with you. It's not a, it's not a huge deal. Now, next year, if Oklahoma's in the same position, they're the team that gets left out of the 12-team playoff. So <laughs> it's, listen, I understand we talked about this uh, on our, uh, our reaction after the, uh, the playoff was announced, but there's always going to be somebody that gets left out because if this was the scenario next year, you know, Sooner fans would have said, well, why were we, why were we that first one out? But it, I mean, that, there's always going to be somebody that gets left out. And frankly, one of OU's biggest arguments probably would have been we beat Texas. We beat a team in the playoff. You know, obviously Texas beating OSU, routing them in the Big 12 championship game. I don't know how that sat with Sooner fans. It was interesting to sort of see uh, on social media and other places to hear from OU fans. What were they, what were they, what were they pulling for? What did they want in the Big 12 title game? But, you know, obviously they lose to OSU. They see OSU get routed. I just have to think for Sooners everywhere, the thought is we were so close. That has to be what, what Sooners are thinking. You know, you don't lose at Kansas. You don't give up the late lead. You don't give up a late lead at OSU. I, I don't know if that's what sticks out to them, but if it was me, I think that's what I'd be thinking about as I was watching that Big 12 championship game. Yeah, this, this was a really good Oklahoma team. I mean, they did beat Texas. One of the best wins in college football this year. Nobody beat the unbeatens. That's why they're unbeaten. So you go to the one loss, the one loss teams. Um, 
You know, Alabama has one loss. Texas beat them at Tuscaloosa. That's probably the best win in college football. Alabama beat Georgia in Atlanta. That's probably second best. But you might, on number three, you might get down to uh, either either uh, Washington beating Oregon, uh, not once but twice, or the Sooners beating Texas on a neutral field. So Sooners had one of the best wins in college football, and their two losses were at the buzzer. Uh, late drives, one by uh, Kansas to win it, one by OU uh, against OSU that, that failed. So it's the, these games could have gone either way. They were very close to an 11-1 and season or even a 12-0 and season playing Texas in Arlington. Now, I tend to think Florida State would have got in over a 12-1 and Oklahoma, even if the Sooners had swept Texas, just because um, they don't have that Alabama uh, bonanza on their resume. But the Sooners were not that part, far apart from being right in the middle of all this, uh, all this hoopla, all this hype, all this controversy. So things are going good, but you know the way things change, it changes so much you can't ever be sure. So you know Brent Venables has to make sure everything else is batting down, not just this quarterback deal where he's lost a great quarterback and they don't seem to be all that upset about it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the Sooners can get that 11th win at the Alamo Bowl. But it'll be such, like you said before, Barry, these bowls have become really the the first of the next season. So obviously that that game will count towards the 2023 record. But you you got to start to think in terms of you know what does it show us about the 2024 team? Um, what are the opt outs? Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel going, but. Who else could be gone? Uh, you know, what other players might be uh, not in sooner crimson and cream? You know, I've, those are questions we'll learn and we'll have answers in the coming days. Brent Venables had some of those opt-outs last year. He doesn't like them, but, you know, players have some power there and they can they can use it to play or not play. So what kind of team do they have? What does it say about what they've got returning? I think they got to feel pretty good about the momentum of this season. But yeah, you uh, even if, you know, even if you are sort of without some players you would have rather had, the chance to really build off of the momentum of this year through the bowl into the offseason, I think it's a positive for OU. One, if they can do that, I think it could be really, really good for them moving into 2024. Hey, that's all the time we've got this week. Remember, the Sooners play Arizona at 8 p.m. December 28th in San Antonio at the Alamo Bowl. Between now and then, we'll obviously have lots more on the Sooners, the recruiting hall, early signing day is coming up, obviously the transfer portal, and how Seth Seth Luttrell will fit in as OU's new offensive coordinator. Check us out at selloutcrowd.com, and we're also at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. This happens to be your first time hearing or watching us. Be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.